Welcome back, sports fans, to EPSN, and I'm your host, Emily Paulson. I know it's been a while, but I'm here with some help from my dad, Kevin Paulson, and we are super excited today to be talking about the information and sports news. There's a lot that's gone down within the last month, month and a half or so, and lots and lots to choose from. So, any first thoughts, Dad? Nope, just glad to be here. Good to be back. Good to see you. I know things have been super busy with school and your softball season, so I know it's been a while since your last episode, but uh, welcome back to it and uh, look forward to your thoughts. Thanks. Today we're going to start out with Russell Wilson going to Denver. And being here in Bellingham, there's a lot, a lot of Seahawks fans. I know some of my teammates are, classmates, and coaches. And they were all really sad about Russell Wilson (laughs) leaving to Denver. But I've also heard on the flip side from other Seahawks fans, like season ticket holders, (laughs) JJ, that they're happy that Russell Wilson is gone. I mean, he's been there for a long, long time. He's only brought them one Super Bowl ring. And I think that, in my opinion, this is a good trade for the Seahawks. And I know there's a lot of speculation that this was a terrible trade for them. But in the long run, I think it's a great trade. But let's go over what's a part of this whole trade because give some context. So Denver gets Russell Wilson in a 2022 fourth round pick and the Seahawks get a ton. They get quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. They also get two first round picks, one for this year's draft, number nine overall in a 2023. And then they also get two second round picks, which one is this year the number four 40 overall pick and a 2023 one plus a 2022 fifth round pick. So, Dad, what's your take on this trade? That was a lot. Uh, That is a very big trade in the NFL. Uh, It really could go down as one of the biggest trades just from the sheer number of people and draft picks involved. Uh, Dad's old enough that I've seen some big trades go down. Walker being one, um, and you look back at, at what those teams gave up um, for them. Almost every, in every instance of those pass cases, uh, I think the team that got the draft picks uh, came out as winners. Uh, it, it just, it, it's in the NFL. You need depth. You need depth at every position, uh, offense and defensive. Now, especially with the way the passing offenses are, but. In the long run, I think the Seahawks win this deal for sure. Uh, Denver was desperate. I, I think they got what they needed. And, uh, again, it's one of those Kate Manning short-term fixes, maybe two, three good years with Russ. Maybe he can win them a Super Bowl. If so, hey, it's all worth it. Denver wins. But for the Seahawks, uh, it was pretty obvious after this past season uh, they had to get better on, on all positions. And, honestly, uh, like you mentioned, the season ticket holders, I think it was just time. I think it had ran its course. Uh, you know, he was really the last of the Super Bowl uh, era for them uh, players. So uh, it, it was just time. Uh, it gives something for Pete Carroll. We might rejuvenate him a little bit, you know, getting uh, to restart. 
it'll be really interesting to see uh, how it all plays out in the next what, three to five years. Yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson's 33. He is a uh, nine-time Pro Bowl selection, but he's only brought them one Super Bowl ring. And in my opinion, they should have had more because they were really good well, at one point. First of all, these are the Seahawks. Uh, they, I don't know if they should ever have even had one. So the fact that Russell Wilson brought them one Super Bowl should have won back-to-back, but that, that's a different conversation. But these are the Seahawks. And, again, the people you talk about, the season ticket holders, they're old enough to remember the days of Steve Largent's and, you know, uh, the whole gamut of uh, early Seahawks days. But, um, you know, one Super Bowls, any franchise will take one. So I, I think in that sense, he'll go down in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he has a Super Bowl win. As you said, nine-time uh, Pro Bowler. The guy's won. So we'll see if he can do it again. I think that he's one of those ones that's on the fence about getting to the Hall of Fame, though, if we're going to talk about that. Because he he's not going to be unanimous, no matter what. Some people are going to disagree that he won't get in. And... Quarterbacks are usually measured on their Super Bowl rings. He only has one, and even though he's been a Pro Bowler multiple, multiple times, I, I think that he needs to do something else at Denver to make him more of a Hall of Fame type quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying if if he can take Denver to a Super Bowl, that punches his ticket to the Hall of Fame. That's what he'll need to kind of put the cherry on top of his career and be Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's strong. I don't know. I feel like there's just, like, he needs to do something else because even though his career in Seattle was good, it just he's not going to be one of those ones that's a unanimous Hall of Fame pick. If you compare him to the other quarterbacks, like, in the NFL and his age range, he is one of the better ones, but I think he'll make it into the Hall of Fame. Like, I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but to make a strong, strong case that more than half the Hall of Fame voters are going to vote him in, he needs to do something in Denver. I mean, I feel like he could do something like Peyton Manning, be a short-term fix, get them to a Super Bowl, but in the long term, the Seahawks benefit 10 times more. So, And so in that thought process, Aaron Rodgers only has one. See, that's Super my. Bowl. That's the thing that's it lingers <laughs> so in the back of my Hall head. So he's not Hall of Fame. Uh, does he have to do more to prove that he, that he needs to, you know, go in? Not you know more unanimous. I don't know. See, this is my lingering thought. If you were to compare Russell Wilson to Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback all day long. He's more MVPs. Does Russell even have an MVP? No. Right? No. I, but that's the lingering thought is that Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl, so he's the same amount of Super Bowl rings as Russell Wilson. Trent Dilfer has one. <laughs> My point is, a lot of people have one Super Bowl. Round. Yeah, one Super Bowl ring. Uh, to your point, to be one of the greatest talked about, true Hall of Famer uh, that should go up on you know football quarterback monuments. Uh, Russ, you know, maybe not there yet. But say again, look at Patrick Mahomes. He's got one. He lost one. How many is it guaranteed that he goes back? Look at his own division no. now. I mean, teams are catching up to the Chiefs in that sense. So 
it's hard to win one Super Bowl, let alone multiple Super Bowls. Uh, so it, it'll be really interesting to see how Russ does. And uh, boy, you know, Colorado open arm welcome. So he's going to have all the support of that whole fan base. And, and that fan base is strong out there. Yeah. I mean, going back to this trade, I think the Seahawks get a B plus and that they benefit in the long run from a rebuild, letting Bobby Wagner go. Uh, I think they just time for them to have a rebuild. They've seen the same offense, the same everything for the past 10 years, and I think they just need something new. Pete Carroll needs something new. And, and again, don't kid yourself. The players they got are really good. Uh, I mean, Drew Locke was a starting quarterback. Didn't work out for him, but maybe with Pete Carroll and the way he likes to run the ball, um, it'll be a good system for him. I'll tell you, Noah Fant, he's you know one of the best tight ends in the league, so getting him uh, is very impactful, and getting any type of defensive line help, uh, and that's before you even get to the draft pick. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but here's my grade. This is what I would say. I I would agree with you, B-plus for Seahawks, which could turn into an A. Yeah. Depending on how the draft picks turn out, and maybe they make more trades, maybe they go out and get a quarterback, uh, Marcus Mariota. How about bringing him back to the Northwest? That would be cool. Uh, but again, so B plus to what could turn out to an A for the Seahawks for the Broncos. I think it's more like an A minus that could turn out to be a C. <laughs> I mean, Russell Wilson was also one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league for multiple years. He's taken a beating. You know, how much does he have time left? Um, you know, fifty two eighty mile high. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see how how at his age and what he's got left, and does he have the arm strength and all those things. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how these trades turn out you know it's hard to always grade in the moment you got to see wait and see what the whole thing turns out to be with new players and whatnot off draft picks but um yeah i think it's a win-win for both teams really i think that this trade what you're talking about with denver they definitely get an a and then it could turn into something else i really think it depends on what kind of offensive line they go out and get for russell wilson because if not, he will just get sacked all the time. So, but Russell Wilson turning towards the new division he's in is way tougher than the division he was just in, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. The Rams just won the Super Bowl. They came out of that division. The Cardinals have been good. The Niners were in the NFC Championship game. So uh, their division has been pretty strong, but recent. You know, yeah. I mean, before that, you're right. I think they were in one of the weaker divisions. Arizona was terrible. The Rams weren't in. Well, and if you think about it, in the past couple of years, as those other teams have gotten better, the Seahawks have gone down a little bit. They're more in the bottom tier of that division. Yeah, true. And now he moves to what is probably maybe the best division in football. Yeah. Arguably. I mean, those teams are Kansas City Chiefs, Raiders, Denver, and Char- the Chargers. Yeah, look at those good. quarterbacks. And you, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert looks like a star So uh, for years to come. So that's the Chargers are only getting better. They just made a big trade for Khalil Mack to uh, firm up their defensive line. Oh, and they re-signed line, Mike Williams, too. Which, huge signing for them, getting Mike Williams to stay. So 
Yeah, that that team's looking stronger with the Raiders. I mean, they just finally made the Raiders. They just made the playoffs, but they have a whole new coaching staff. They just trying to move past all the Gruden nonsense and and the off field stuff with uh, Henry Ruggs and all the other players that they let go. So, but new staff, Josh McDaniels. You know what's he going to do in his second stint as a coach? So. Um, you know, if they do it the Patriot way, it could be interesting to see how quickly he can build the Raiders, you know, from playoff contender to, you know, really a, a playoff force. So it, that's a really strong division. Uh, there's no guarantee for Russ or the Broncos. They do have good defense. Broncos do, but, uh, it, you know, it takes a while. It's never easy. So, uh, but good, good uh, TV watching, that's for sure. That's true. I think that division will probably be on TV the most out of any division this year. And the thing is, is that it's always hard to gel with a new team. And it takes time, usually. But I think Russ can do it because he's such a leadership-type guy. Um, but he's not the best quarterback in that division. Uh, man, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Mahomes, you would think, is the best quarterback. He's the best quarterback in the league. Uh, excuse me, in the league for the most part. So, uh, you know, saying Russ is the best, he, he might be the third best. Yeah, that's Argu- what I'm Argu- thinking. Arguably maybe the fourth. I mean, Derek Carr has been around a long time. He hasn't had the success that uh, Russ has, but his, a- his stats are, you know, probably pretty close. I, I mean, I don't have them in front of me, but that, that'd be a good comparison, a good follow-up. I mean, Derek Carr compared to Russell Wilson. If you look at Russell Wilson, he's had, he's got have the same coach his whole time in Seattle when Derek Carr has had to go through some stuff. And the Seahawks defense was elite. I mean, you go back to talking about Russ only having one quarter, uh, one Super Bowl. You know, mo- most Seahawk fans will tell you the defense won those games. Yeah. I mean, they were the best defense historically at, at a time. So, uh, you know, that de- and the running game, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, <laughs> Again, you talk about having two Super Bowls, it's because they didn't hand off to Marshawn. So, again, you know, how good was Russ? You're right, Russ is a great leader. You know, he was was definitely a big part of that. But, you know, it's, you know, again, it's hard for any franchise to move on from a quarterback like that. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see how both do on the opposite side. Hmm. Switching gears from the NFL in the offseason to something that is heating up right now, which is the NBA. We're only about a month out from the play-in game starting, but trades have gone down, guys are on new teams, and one team that I really want to focus on is the Philadelphia 76ers. Harden and Bede, maybe the best duo right now in the NBA. What are your thoughts? Well, just how much has changed? I mean, we haven't really done much NBA talk on here, but uh, this has been a crazy season between the start of COVID, all the teams that had players in and out of the lineup, injuries, uh, you know, close to us with the Blazers, you know, Lillard being out pretty much since almost really all year he was hurt. So uh, it's just been a crazy season. And to your point, the trades, uh, seeing James Harden, you know, being the biggest part of the trades this year, um, go to Philadelphia uh, is, you know, nuts. You, you just didn't see trades like this go down um, 
in the middle of the year. Yeah, and, you know, getting rid of Ben Simmons, I know there was some other factors to that type of trade, but um, very interesting to see how that's going to play out. You know, Harden's a tough character. He's one of those guys who's happy for a while and then pretty much sours and gets frustrated. And Can he stay healthy through the playoffs? I I have no idea. Um, It's going to be great to, again, good TV entertainment, uh, must-see TV to watch these guys. And to your point, how many games do they have left? There's only a couple of weeks left in the season. We'll see what they can do. Um, but uh, that, that East is loaded. I mean, I don't think it's easy for Philadelphia to be able to uh, just run away with it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these playoffs shake out. Yeah, I mean, Harden is like a little kid in elementary school. He tries his hardest when he first finds a new teacher, wants to impress all of them, which is like the fan base and coaches. And then once he thinks he has a secure spot, it's like he just does whatever he wants. It's actually kind of funny, but I think in in Philadelphia, I think he finally found, I mean, he's been on lots of teams, so I don't know if I want to say this, but he finally looks like, he's most happy there as he's been anywhere. Yeah, and I think some of that has to do with Doc Rivers. You know, he's got a coach he can, you know, that he respects and, uh, you know, again playing with maybe one of the best players in the league and Joel Embiid uh, MVP, MVP caliber year this year. Who wouldn't want that? So, again the biggest thing with Harden is can he stay healthy through the playoffs and, and you know, not go one for 15 shooting? I mean, he He's been in some really big moments in teams that were just catered around him, uh, and he wasn't able to get it done. So it's pretty obvious he's the number two in Philadelphia, um, which he wanted, you know, going even to Brooklyn with the Nets. You know, he wanted to be the third fiddle. He he didn't want necessarily. He wanted to let Durant and Kyrie be the guys, but look at how that worked out. Yeah, I think Harden and Embiid just mesh so well together because Embiid dominates that inside. He draws fouls a lot, can actually make free throws at the free throw line. He's one of the best free throw shooters for big. And he can go out and shoot the three if need be. And James Harden is one of those guys who is a shooter. Embiid, if they collapse on him, can just kick it out to Harden. And then if they collapse on Harden, he they can just kick it out to Embiid. I mean, it works perfectly and the fact that um Tyree Maxey uh has been playing so well it helps them out a yeah, lot they definitely have other guys they got other horses so I mean but you know, it's always who has the best players on the court I mean that's what it comes down to in the playoffs get into these seven game series everything locks down uh, you got to have the best guys on the court playing their best um, so and you know you look at the Eastern Conference standings the number one seed right now, Miami Heat, to the number five seed, Boston, um, with Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Chicago, Boston there, the top five. That only three and a half games separate them with, what, 14 to play? Yeah. You know, I, I, I haven't looked at the schedule, but, you know, if those teams are all playing against each other, there could be a lot of movement in who gets the uh, home playoff seeding. Uh, and it's really a, a top of the conference uh, season, I think. You know, those top four or five teams there will probably win. Uh, I, I just don't see Cleveland. You know, they're too young. Toronto, um, 
Brooklyn maybe, but they're just a disaster. But when you have Durant, I guess anything's possible. But Charlotte, Atlanta, but I, I just don't see those teams making a deep run, winning seven-game series uh, against those more experienced. And, and again, Milwaukee, they, they got as good a chance as anybody to go in and repeat. So it'll be a fun playoff. Yeah, I really think that Eastern conferences, especially those top five, are very, very competitive with each other. And I think home court advantage will play a huge role in this year's playoffs. Agreed. And Philadelphia is somewhere that people hate playing because their fans are so intense. Sometimes the Philadelphia players themselves hate playing there, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What about the West? What about your feelings on the West? The West for me is a toss-up at this point. I think the first five teams, the Warriors... Jazz, Nuggets, Memphis, Memphis, uh, uh, yeah, that's Phoenix has a long, long, uh, ways to be caught. They've already won 53 games, they got a seven and a half game lead. Uh, number two, Memphis, they're the one seed. Chris Paul's not even playing, he's out until the playoff with that thumb injury, and they're still winning, so. Uh, kudos to Monty Williams. He he is a hell of a coach, and the way they've built that team, more franchises ought to ought to look at that and uh, you know take note. But I, I really like watching the way Phoenix plays the game. I mean, I love just watching the West play because of being on the West Coast. I'm just more willing to watch the Western Conference teams, especially with the Blazers being in the Western Conference. But I also think that their games are so much more interesting to watch. Like, I feel like they're closer, usually. I feel like the Eastern Conference can be such blowouts sometimes. And usually in the playoffs, the West teams, the Western Conference has been better for the past five years than the Eastern Conference. And I know that doesn't say a lot because the Bucks just won last year the title, but in the divisional matchups, I think the West is better. Yeah, the West has always been stronger, top to bottom. This is just, again, another crazy year. I, I look at the bottom teams, the teams like 8 through 13 or 8 through 14, I guess it is. Oh, 15 is Houston. Forget about Houston. but uh, I, They don't even want to win. So no. it's a matter of who can lose the fastest. Try, this playing game was supposed to try to keep teams in it, wanting to make the playoffs with a potential chance of winning and you know making a run. Uh, it, it's a mad scramble to tr- see who avoids the playing games where the ninth and tenth seeds well also who wants to play the phoenix suns when they've already won 53 games and they don't even have chris paul like none of none of them even want to waste another four games on that and it's interesting you know just because we're familiar with portland um, it does make sense for them if they make the playoffs they lose this year's draft pick to i believe houston as part of the covington deal actually it might be chicago um anyways but they would gain back a draft pick in the first round for this upcoming season so that they're desperate to lose i mean they're not going to come out and say it but you know all of their best (laughs) but all their best players are are on the bench so with injuries and this and that so it'll be interesting for these other teams san antonio sacramento um, new orleans you know new orleans is really trying to make a push And, and to your point, will the Lakers even make it? I mean, will they even make a play-in game? I don't How know. How crazy would that be? The Lakers are a toss-up for me right now. Like, I think because they're older, they could make the play-in games. They, 
let's put it this way. They should make the playing games. But by how bad they've been playing recently, even though LeBron James they're, has been on a roll. They're a disaster. They just keep losing game after game. They're they're going to get a lottery pick at this rate. Yeah, Anthony Davis hurt again. LeBron can only do so much. And I, every time I try to think, up, oh, he's finally showing his age. He goes on a crazy streak like he is now scoring 50 points and, you know, showing that he's still capable. But uh, I have a hard time believing that, that they have a very difficult schedule coming up. And let's be honest, anytime the opposing team sees the Lakers on the jerseys across from them, they want to beat them. They want to win. So I, I don't see many teams trying to lay down and take nights off against the Lakers and allowing them to coast here to the end of the play in. But. Yeah, you're right. They're uh, they got a couple game lead over New Orleans um, and Portland, uh, but we'll see. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if LeBron can pull it off, and and then who knows? You know, oh, well, and here's the kicker: the Lakers have the hardest remaining schedule. They have to play the Nuggets at least twice. They play the Jazz. They play the Suns. They play the Suns tonight, actually, and they're they're gonna lose by twenty. <laughs> yeah. well, we're going to come back and see what happens with that but uh you know crazier things that happen i mean again maybe phoenix t- takes a night off just thinking they're going to win so i you know it's the nba you, you just don't know you said yourself portland won last night who was on their team who do you know and i know the easy answer is somebody had a career night but you look at that top seven rotation in Portland, and you tell me if any of them would even be on any other NBA roster. No. For all the listeners out there, if the name C.J. Ellaby, you guys probably don't even know who that is. You guys probably don't even know who that is. He's only second-year player, basically still a rookie, and he's been in the starting lineup for the past couple weeks because the Blazers have no one else. And he's, he's getting good time, but, like, if, as an NBA fan, nobody has any clue who that is except for Blazer fans. I bet a lot of Blazers fans don't even know who that is either. And that just tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, again, the Blazers roster right now is a crazy mishmash of who's playing. Um, there's guys that are, you know, G League type players making a name for themselves. But And kudos to them. They're, they're getting NBA minutes and proven, you know, maybe – Deep down the road, somebody will take a chance on them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see in that sense, but Portland will look, look much different next year. But that, who had the career high? Josh Hart, 44 who, points. Who was the person that was the main part of the trade for C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans. So if you want to see any, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, maybe a few of those guys will pan out. Uh, I know it was a crazy batch of trades the Blazers made. You've got Joe Ingles from Utah who tore his ACL who might not ever play a game for the Blazers. So, I mean, there, there could be eight, nine roster spots open come next year. Kind of going in the direction of just talking about the Blazers, do you think the Blazers could get a superstar to come play with Dame Lillard? No. Why? It's Portland, man. I mean, it's just not a destination. And, you know, yeah, to your point, someone want to come play with Dame, sure. I mean, I, I think he's got enough um, credit around the league. You know, he was on the Olympic team. 
been around the all-star games i mean people have pretty good respect and lillard's as loyal as they come and you know to his credit he says out loud i want to win a championship in portland so maybe maybe it's the answer but no it's portland it's very difficult to try to lure free and that's what it seems like the blazers are trying to do is set up enough cap space and all that you have a lot of cap space right now and maybe maybe you get a disgruntled guy i mean you throw out some names guys bradley beal but you know he's not going to go from dc to portland Uh, he's looking to get himself i think to philadelphia as well but um, as far as the Blazers go, no, I think you're going to have to do something in the draft. I think, you know, hopefully if you do tank this year and you you get a nice top three or five pick, maybe you could package it with something and, you know, trade for somebody. But I think you're going to have to make a trade to bring that type of player to Portland. For well, I don't even know. Like, I'm trying to think of people in the league who might be disgruntled or even willing to leave to play with Dame, and I can't even think of anyone. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I and mean, I know people like Dame. Like other guys in the league love Dame, but I just don't think they're willing to come to Portland and play. I just I don't know who those guys are. That I mean, Jeremy Grant in Detroit. I mean, that's a guy. He's a power forward that maybe come in and play off the of Dame. And, but that's is not he a game superstar yeah, though. That, that, so there's not many superstars out there. And if they are. They're on these loaded teams that yeah. already have multiple superstars. I mean, what you're really talking about is finding a guy like a Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Somebody who's willing to come in and just play to play the game and play it the right way. And you know, Jimmy was a superstar caliber when he finally found his way to Miami. And you look at the Heat right now, we talked about earlier, they're the number one seed right now. Um, you know, he, he's their superstar. But he might be the fourth leading scorer on the team in a given night. So I, he doesn't need all the hoopla. That's the kind of guy you're talking about, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, but he's having success now in Minnesota. I just, I don't know how you can find a, a superstar without it coming with a lot of baggage. Well, let's backtrack. I don't think the Blazers need another superstar, but they need another superstar type caliber player. In the way that I think with Chauncey Billups thing, they would be kind of like a Bucks or a Miami Heat or even a Celtics in that they rely a lot on their defense and it goes around the table of scoring. That's not just going to be one guy every night. Like uh, It's not just going to be Kevin Durant or Steph Curry every night. It's going to be a team one, team driven team. And I think that's who Chauncey Billups is or that's what he's trying to build. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's his background. I mean, he came from one of the greatest teams, you know, the bad boy, Detroit, won championships. So I, you know, he knows the game for sure. But, um, you know, I, I think to your point, he, that's the type of guy Chauncey wants. If Chauncey's your guy, we wouldn't even know. Is Chauncey going to be the coach next year? I mean, are they committed to him in the way he wants to play the game? Because it seems that they are. I mean, they traded CJ, uh, broke up Damon CJ, and to your point, I, the Boston Celtics are a good example. Uh, you can't have two superstars or two high quality at the same position at the same size. It's yeah. just really difficult. Uh, Boston has it in Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, you know, they're different positions, small forwards, but 
their two best players basically play the same position. So that's hard. You you need to try to find that defensive uh, superstar ish guy like Kawhi maybe or somebody like that. Um, but who is it? Pascal Siakam. I mean, you just, would you rather get a power forward with Dame as your point guard, or would you rather get a really good center with your point guard? No, I I, I like the real good forward. I'll leave it at forward because in today's NBA, positions are meaningless anyways. But you know, you need that six eight six nine three and D type of guy who can make some open jumpers off Dame's penetration and. You know, Nurkic is a good center in the sense that he can pass, and we saw him play some of his best basketball once Dame was out, and you know, kind of the offense went through him. So I think the way Chauncey plays, I think Nurkic is serviceable for that, and probably get him at a decent salary because nobody else seemed to want him at the trade deadline. So kind of stuck with him. But um, yeah, you know, with Simon's development, and I know this is all Blazer talk now. Sorry, folks, but with Anthony Simons. Nasir Little, um, you know, Josh Hart, some of these guys that we put together around Nurk and Dame, and you add a couple guys, you know, you're right back into maybe the top six seeds in the West. You know, I mean, Dallas has a bright future. Memphis is crazy good right now, and young. John Morant seems crazy. like he's re- the real deal, so it's fun to watch. Um, Golden State, I mean, they still got what, a five, six-year run, and their new young guys, Kaminga, and we haven't seen much of Wiseman, but, I mean, again, they're only getting better. Yeah, so, and again, Denver. We didn't talk about Denver. They don't even have Jamal Murray this year at all. Yeah, and Jokic is crazy good. So, I I mean, the West is loaded. Um, We we didn't mention the Clippers, who had Kawhi and Paul George out all year, but Norman Powell, who the Blazers traded down there with Covington. They haven't gotten to play much, so. It's uh, the West is going to be a gauntlet for years to come. So Portland better figure something out, or you're looking at a long uh, exodus from the playoff. Yeah, I completely agree. Today, I guess we had the West Coast type of vibe, talking about the Seahawks yeah. and the Blazers. Yeah, the left coast. <laughs> is there anything else we want to touch on on today's episode? I, yeah, I just a little bit. Two things, if you don't mind. Um, baseball, baseball's back. Very excited about that. Um, the whole lockout nonsense is just crazy money driven. And, you know, it's hard to say who wins out of something like that. But it's all behind them, it seems. Uh, but we're going to get, you know, games going here shortly. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty exciting season because there's still a lot of really good top free agents out there uh, that haven't signed yet. So the teams aren't even complete, if you will, at this point. Um, and, you know, because it's a shotgun start type of season, I think you're going to see... I think it's see, anyone's ball game. Yeah, I think you're going to see some good baseball or maybe bad baseball early on, meaning it's exciting. <laughs> a lot of the teams that don't know they're supposed to lose might be winning early games. So uh, just happy to see baseball back. How about you? You got thoughts on that? Uh, with the whole baseball thing, I know the lockout was just, as a fan, it was annoying. You're like, I just want this to get on the road. I want spring training to start. I want an opening day. But I think this might help the MLB and MLBPA be better for years to come. I know that's a bold statement to say, but I think it might bring the players together and really have each team trying to win. 
Like, I know no one at the beginning of the season tries to lose because baseball is such a long season. But I think it will make the games more competitive. And I'm really looking forward to this year because I I don't think, I mean, even last year tossed that the Atlanta Braves, they beat someone who was supposed to win, the Dodgers. I mean, I think it's anyone's ball game and there's always going to be those top teams. But I'm looking forward to an entertaining season and hopefully someone who's may under the radar can win or make a long run. Like the Yankees? Yeah, that's all I hope. I yeah, I really hope are. the Yankees have a good year. I Focusing on the Yankees just for a quick moment, I think the Yankees need to have a good year. Aaron Boone is getting fired. Yeah, the Yankees, uh, they, they have all sorts of questions surrounding them right now. And Are they going to sign a big free agent? Are they going to go get Correa, um, you know, Trevor Story? They, they need to do something. They need to make a splash, make a change. But uh, the talent's there. So, yeah, does it go back to coaching? Probably, you know. Uh, we'll see what they do with Booney, though. It'll be interesting. But, hey, outside of that, baseball hasn't even started. What are we missing? How about March Madness? March Madness. What are we doing? I know. We're sitting here Sunday. Today's Selection Sunday. So we don't have the actual brackets yet. And this is for your entertainment only. No betting purposes allowed here on no EPSN. But yeah, who so, do you like? Yeah, I mean, like, geez, the college I basketball mean, season's we, also been crazy, up and down with COVID games. That seems so long ago now uh, that COVID was affecting games, and uh, early in November, December, and I mean, some Pac-12 teams didn't even play the same amount of games. I don't think, but I mean, um, I, we know the top seeds already. Yeah. So who do you think those are? Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, Kentucky, Duke, they were all potential. Auburn, they were all number one seeds about two weeks ago, and then they lost a few key games. So it's crazy how fast that changes. Uh, But, yeah, there's uh, March Madness is going to be crazy fun this year. There's so many good teams and so many. Good matchups. Yeah, a lot of good matchups if it tends to go as planned. I have favorites, like, I think Arizona can make a deep run, Gonzaga. I think any of the top seeds could. But I think there is a really good amount of teams who are in that two, three, five seed range that are just as good and can make a deep run who are playing well right now. Yeah, I agree. And I I think it's anyone's ballgame. I know that's every year for March Madness, but I feel like this year, out of all years, there's not one team who dominated the whole season. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, Gonzaga seems to be the overwhelming number one. But they always overseed. are. Well, recently they are. But um, yeah, you're, good question. Can they win it? You know, is this the year they can finally get over the hump? They've been in the championship game. You know, can they actually get the win? And, and a huge shout out to Arizona. And I don't know if we call them Gonzaga South now, but <laughs> Tommy Lloyd in his first year uh, coming from the Zags program and taking over Arizona has them as a probable probable number two overall seed, which is a fantastic story. And, and again, when you watch Arizona play, they play very similar style of basketball to the Zags, um, which is successful basketball, especially come tournament time. Uh, so those two teams, you know, should be on a collision course. It'd be fun to see see that type of matchup in the championship, again, at least for us West Coast people. But 
Um, you know, the storylines are going to be everywhere. So, yeah, maybe we can chat about the March Madness here next time we get together once the bracket's out. Maybe we can do one before the games start, but definitely after the first weekend and kind of check back in and see what upsets yeah. there were, you know, who your favorites might be going into the Sweet 16. Yeah, and I know there's some teams in there who weren't supposed to make it, like Virginia Tech, who won the ACC championship yesterday, who only got in because of that. So there's some teams that are on, have been playing really well, long win streaks, and others who dominate for a good part of the season but are kind of shaky right now. So I, I think it's anyone's games, and I think checking back in after the first round is played will give us a good idea of who's playing well, who lost, because you always know there's going to be upsets. Um, so I think it'll be good. Yeah, and big sadness for the Oregon Ducks, who most likely will not be Ooh. in the big dance this year. Um, very uh, disappointing for Altman's group, um, but uh, hopefully they can go do something in the NIT and get a little more experience and go out the right way. But, uh, yeah, here's the March Madness, favorite time of year. March Madness, great times. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of EPSN. I hope you guys enjoyed. I know I did very much. Thanks for having me again, EP. It's great to see you. Go Vike softball. I know we didn't touch much on that, but one of these uh, you'll have to give some updates about your team and how things are going. I know you just kicked off uh, GNAC League this this past weekend and split two and two with Northwest Nazarene, who's one of the other favorites, but good luck to you and your teammates and uh, bring home another league championship, baby. Thank you, dad. And to all of you listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in and be sure to subscribe for more episodes to come.